Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey, hello, and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Reda, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's segment, we have a Challenge Cup weekend recap for everyone. There were a lot of games, but we're going to take some deep dives into specific ones and go over all of the action for you all. But first, a quick reminder to follow us on Twitter for all news and updates at Attacking Third. We also have a TikTok now, and we are also on Instagram. So you can follow us across all three platforms at Attacking Third for highlights, cool graphics, breaking news, and more. If you're joining us live on YouTube, welcome, and please hit the subscribe button to drop us a note in the chat. You know, we love hearing from you so, so much. And I'm sure we're going to hear from folks tonight uh, because of all the action that took place. Lisa, we got, we we got to dive in. How are you? How are you doing today? A uh, lot of action. We were talking a little bit off mic. I mean, we mentioned all of our social Twitter, TikTok, yeah. Instagram. They're run by the fabulous Sydney, who's joining us behind the scenes on this live. And, and we were talking about uh, it's a long weekend, a lot of games, a lot to cover. Um, people are already joining us in the chat, dropping us some questions. We'll get to you. We'll get to you. Sleep, eat, repeat. I like it. Keep it coming. Um, but yeah, a lot of action happening, some movement in the standings. Yep for each group happening all of the east region action today actually on sunday we're just finishing up so thanks for the waiting for the delay for everyone so i could get from the booth back to where i'm staying this weekend um so thank you sandra how are you going how you doing listen uh i'm ready to talk about some of these matches (laughs) i absolutely was just like be careful driving or getting to your next location i heard you on the call so i was like listen we're gonna go live but we're going to go live when we're ready to go live. Make sure Lisa's <laughs> in a place where she's safe and sound. And then we can all go live together and chat about things. And I'm just, I'm just hyped because this is this, it's official now. We're like at the halfway point of the challenge cup. Uh, some teams have played each other twice already, but uh, we're approaching an international window, a little bit of break in play for this Challenge Cup competition. But if for whatever reason you are still looking to get caught up on some of the Challenge Cup action, maybe there was a, a weekend like this weekend or a slate of games where you just weren't able to tune into all of them, just know that you can watch all NWSL Challenge Cup matches on Paramount. Plus, uh, you can catch them live or on demand. So if you miss anything, run on back through the app and uh, you could take a look and find um, the games that you miss. Or you can, you know, again, just a plug, check out our YouTube channel, just get the highlights. You can get all the massive highlights on Attacking Third as well. Uh, we're going to get into everything right now. But first, 
A week unlike any other is here. The Masters returns to Augusta National, where Hideki Matsuyama will defend his green jacket. Go join the first Cut Golf podcast, where the entire crew is previewing this year's tournament. From storylines to picks and even daily fantasy advice, and the first cut has you covered. The first Cut Golf podcast is available whenever you're listening to this podcast. Felt right to do a golf read on this one, honestly. Like, with our background, it's all green and everything and, and, and the grass kind of images and, and behind. Uh, but yeah, if you're, if you're also into other sports like golf, we got mm-hmm. first cut golf podcast has a, has you covered. Um, Lisa, we got to jump into yes. what is one okay. of my, yeah. What, one of my favorite segments on attacking third right now, the winners and losers. <laughs> we got to talk about some winners and we got to talk about some losers. Are you ready to join me with this? Lisa? Uh, I'm ready. I'm ready. There were winners and losers, not just a bunch of draws across the the board this weekend. We have winners. We have losers. Let's get into it. Let's talk about it. You know what? I think we're going to talk about we're going to talk about three games. We're going to try to touch on three, take a deep dive on on three specific games that took place over this weekend. But we definitely wanted to uh, revisit the picks that we made for the biggest matches that we thought were going to be uh, taking place this weekend. And we highlighted a couple and we're going to start with uh, San Diego Wave FC versus Angel City. The two Cali sides going head to head once more for the final time in Challenge Cup, at least. Right. So they had already uh, gone head to head one one draw to open up Challenge Cup. And now before this international window, they met again this time in San Diego Four two is the scoreline in this one, Lisa. Uh, San Diego walking away with all three points. There were goals from uh, Jody Taylor, Tegan McGrady with an own goal, Alex Morgan getting on the board with a brace, Kristen Press saying, "Hey, I'm back. Got a got a goal for uh, for Angel City and uh, Amir Ali, the rookie, getting on the board as well." So uh, it almost just sort of fell end to end in this one. Uh, why don't you give me some of your takeaways from this one? And I know you you were traveling, and, and maybe you don't have your infamous notebook with you but do you have the pin <laughs> who do you think i am without my notebook and my to-do list Incomplete. and track of our picks you had a draw for this one i had san diego winner winner chicken dinner over here hey um, enjoy. This, this was a really good game this was on big cbs and i know that the jokes were fine oh. on twitter that cbs couldn't have picked a better game oh, yeah. to put on big cbs but that's what we had it was the showdown between kristen Press and Alex Morgan. Um, it, it was a battle. I mean, San Diego. What we learned from this from this team. I mean, it's hard when opening match against these two sides. We didn't get a lot out of them. We didn't know what to expect from either side. Now that we've seen both San Diego and Angel City against Portland and against OL Rain, now to have them come back together, it was a really good test to see where these teams had grown. What I learned is San Diego can find the back of the net. Even a known goal, what we saw from yeah. Tegan Brady, a bit of a mistake there. Uh, just teams trying to get on the same page, players getting used to playing with each other. But San Diego will be able to continue to score this year. That's what yeah. they have proven. If Alex Morgan, she gets on fire and, and she gets the ball at her feet and in a good rhythm and a good mojo, she will find the back of the net, a brace in this match. Um, and Kristen Press finally getting a goal, right? This has been a long time coming for yeah. her and for Angel City, months off the pitch, and now getting a team that is really dubbed kind of Kristen Press's team, the first signing, the first big name. She's really taken on Angel City. They debuted in some new kits for yeah. Angel City FC. They looked pretty good, but yeah, I, 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 like, I, know. Let's I talk like about it. 
Yeah, let's talk about it a little bit. We said we're going to talk more about fashion on this show when we get a chance. And listen, they dropped their away kits, right? They're dropping the Soul Rosa mm -hmm. uh, away kits. And I loved them. I thought they were good. You're talking about the the white kind of away, the pink, the Soul Rosa, uh, Soul Rosa shorts uh, coming into play. And then kind of just the texture within and the, the pattern on the kit. Kit fashion is, you know, I think underrated, I think, across the board when it comes to uh, podcasts talking about kit fashion specifically. There's been a lot of discussion about like the walk-ins recently like gotham is is making noise with their like game day walk-ins angel oh, yeah. city is also you know kind of going into that as well like with the game day fit but it's also like look just hit me with the kit fashion like what does your yeah. kit look like what are you rocking on the pitch and i think uh angel city knocked it out of the park with that one so it was cool to sort of see that unveiled and i think a little bit gutsy to sort of like be like not only are we going to unveil these but we're going to unveil these against our california rivals on the road in in their home uh and their home facility for for challenge cup so that was that was kind of uh, funny but i mean early in this one right you thought maybe because of the end to end where it's like we're gonna see some goals in this one i had no idea we we're gonna get six goals by the end of this match uh i thought for a second there i was gonna i was gonna come through with my prediction for a draw but san diego absolutely had other plans but you love to see it you love to see a winner and you love yes. to see uh, a loser in this one but it's tough it's tough it's a challenge cup um you can see that there are still some teams out there and some head coaches are still trying to figure some things out uh unsure i mean not even unsure i mean i'm sh i am actually sure that certain <laughs> things came into play right the, right. the concept of short rest, the the fact that Angel City was uh, playing on a quick turnaround and, and San Diego was not, right? And they were at home on top of that. Uh, so all those things coming into play, Savannah McCaskill coming into the mix, uh, returning after a, a red card uh, absence, you know, all of that coming into play and saying like, hey, you got to get reintegrated with your team out yeah. on the pitch. Uh, but 4-2, I mean, there's no denying you know, what we ended up seeing. Uh, love to hear in the post game from from players and, and the coaches in this one, uh, Alex Morgan joking around a little bit, saying they knew it was a TV game. They scored all those goals for CBS. And, uh, you know, you, you love to hear it. You love when players are having fun in the post game. And, and even Casey Stoney saying that she's not one to, to smile often and that the players wow. uh, would yeah. tell you that, but that she was very, very happy and full of pride I mean, for what they showed. Because there's a little bit, they had to come back a couple times themselves. Exactly. This was a really big game for all of the players and, and the coaches and the league, honestly, because having two expansion sides coming in in the exact same year, it can dilute the talent and the competition across this league, um, which I think was something that scared fans and people knowing that the NWSL is one of the most competitive leagues in the world, that having two extra teams and adding 12 teams total into the mix would maybe make the competition less fierce. But that's not what we saw between these two sides. I think from Casey Stoney's side and, and San Diego, despite getting the win, they were more dynamic in the ways that they were able to, to attack uh, with Jody Taylor getting on the board. Alex Morgan notching two, and then Amir Ali, who came off the bench also to get a goal late in that game for San Diego. The, it was putting together a complete game in the first phase, the, the second phase right before halftime, third phase right after halftime, and then the fourth phase even closing out the game for San Diego, despite giving up only one goal, right? An own goal coming from Tegan McGrady, only one goal for Kristen Press. Yeah. That looks pretty good defensively for San Diego with what they were able to do. You mentioned Angel City having Savannah McCaskill back. She is necessary in the midfield for this team to succeed despite 
all the injuries that they've had, if, if McCaskill can keep the ball and connect with press up top, Angel City will be better moving forward. But um, this was a good match. I'm excited for the regular season to see yeah. this new battle. I am too as well. Hopefully that this energy that we sort of witnessed during Challenge Cup will carry over into the regular season. Shout out to all of the supporters in, in California, whether it's on the San Diego side of things, the Sirens or Rebellion 99 with Los mm-hmm. Angeles. They really brought it. It was cool to see all the scenes coming out of both facilities. Quite frankly, I love that they're trying to dub it something of their own. They're referring to it as the Chan Clasico, which is like, <laughs> and they're like, they had like little buttons with like a chunk. I, I loved it. It's, it's a, I like uh, a button that would yeah, be cool. you know what i'm saying like well I'm, I'm sure i'm I'm sure there's someone that we could reach out to to about it and see what's going on with that but but i'm loving it so far so here's to so cheers to the two california sides and uh we'll see what they're doing in the regular season against each other we have another rivalry match though that we had on our docket in terms of the biggest matches of the weekends and a, a part of why we were focusing on the west so much is because we felt that after these games took place we would start to maybe see the picture come together amongst all the groups, but in the West in particular, because of these rivalry games, right? Mm -hmm. The fact that they can kind of be like, feel like these six point type of games. So we have Portland Thorns FC versus OL Reign. Lisa, what do we have for picks in this one? Um, Oh, you're calling me out on this one. Uh, Oh, well. You had OL Reign. I had a draw. Okay, so we flopped. (laughs) So on this one, you went the draw and then I went OL Reign. So we had- I almost had a draw. I almost had- (laughs) Zero zero draw at the end of this one because goal came late. From it Lavelle. took a little while. Roosevelt getting the game winner in this one. All rain take the victory on the road in Providence Park against Portland Thorns FC. One zero late night match in this one, right? We had a little bit of NWSL action after dark. Lisa, what were you feeling out of this match? So this was a really good testament of these two sides because we knew the tensions were high. We knew stakes were high. We know OL Reign going into Providence Park, they want to win. That's just Fishlock saying that she thrives in that environment in front of the Portland fans wanting to show them off and and show them what they can do. Um, Rose Lavelle floating into those wide areas. That's where Laura Harvey wants her to play. And we're so used to seeing Lavelle as a central role with the national team under Blackmore and Danofsky. And that's where she dictates a lot of play. So for Lavelle to be able to shift her style and her tactics on the ball when she is in those wide flank areas just proves how smart of a player Lavelle is, which we knew. I knew this. I knew this going into it. But to see Lavelle on the flanks and be able to exploit the space that Portland gives her and find those pockets that aren't in between the lines rather, but on the outside of Portland's defense, pop into those holes, cut inside it. That's what makes Rose Lavelle really dangerous because she can adapt to so many different positions on the pitch. Um, This, this game was good. An early goal called back from Smith, I believe in this one, which could have been, could have changed the game for Portland. Um, I think that hurt Portland, honestly. And I think it elevated OL Reign after that happened. Um, but uh, we've talked about OL Reign and how dangerous they are and how much of a threat they can be. Um, even with Balser up top, that's not creating that many waves. She causes trouble for opposition's back line, but she's not getting on the score sheet. But that's okay as long as the supporting cast around her is doing what they need to do to find the back of the net. Um, for you, did anything stand out about Portland and, and what they were looking to do against a rain side at home? Listen, I, I was really excited for this match because of how I think the rosters can kind of 
level things out a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. We know that in the West, it is two longstanding NWSL clubs in Rain and Thorns going up uh, alongside with two expansion sides in, in Angel City and San Diego. So with having this type of match, we knew that maybe things were going to be a little, which is, I don't blame you for going with a draw potentially in this one. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, maybe there's going to be enough here to go head to head where it's going to be one of these games where it just ends up shaking out that way because of the level of competition between these two teams specifically. But I'm with you on Sophia Smith. What I really liked out of this is just we're continuing to see this consistent performances from a young player in Sophia Smith. And the fact that that goal didn't stand, I'm with you, maybe shake things up. But even without that counting, what we're witnessing from Smith is just this day or weekend, I should say, week out kind of Mm -hmm. performance from this player, this type of player that we know can uh, go out there and is likely going to impact a match for this team in some kind of uh, some kind of way. I also really like the continued movement that we're seeing out of their Japanese international that they signed uh, over the offseason. And and, I I really am enjoying uh, watching her start to get a little bit more comfortable when it comes Mm -hmm. To playing in NWSL because this was something that uh, they, they refer to as the, this is their first time playing in the league so she was like I gotta maybe get used to things a little bit the physicality is going to be something and when you're going to look at these rivalry games I think as a real test of that because maybe there's just a little bit of like you take that knob that volume knob and you crank it just once more right so yes. we know we know that NWSL is our can can be at times uh, a league that uh players rely on their athleticism sometimes maybe their physicality and then you get into these rivalry games specifically and you take that now and you go okay let's just go once more and you <laughs> click it once more so uh, but but I I liked the the movement in this one it's it's unfortunate that they weren't able to get on the board and it was not shocking to see a late game goal be the difference wow. maker in this one but coming from Rose Lavelle Right. And then seeing this play develop kind of out wide with her as well was also something I think that was very, very promising. Um, I, I know that we are, are high on this oil rain side. And I, I, if I, I, if I recall correctly, I think I chose them to, to win this whole yeah. thing. And I think looking at these type of games specifically where, you know, they're going to be games that are one in between the margins and you see a team like that kind of break through and still walk away with that narrow win. You got to give it to them. That's what it is. And it's so much about getting on the, the scoreboard, but also keeping that clean sheet defensively. Yeah. If this came out to a 0-0 draw, I think both sides would have been disappointed not to get on the board, but pleased that they were able to stop their opposition from, from scoring as well. You mentioned Sugita, I think, doing a fantastic job adjusting every single game. Another player for Portland is Sam Coffey in that midfield, getting a lot of minutes under Coach Wilkinson and growing. You can see that... Coffee is a player that they are going to hopefully rely on throughout the regular season, whether she comes in off the bench or she does get those starts and can rack up minutes to be the connecting player in the midfield that can also break up play. But she led Portland in their uh, final third entries was Sam Coffee, the rookie. So that's really good to see, especially against an OL Reign midfield that is dominant dominant to see oh, yeah. so those fun players to keep an yeah. eye on and as as we oh, enter yeah. this third and fourth games for these teams in the challenge cup we're starting to see that connection and that familiarity with each other and with the league and with the opposition as second matchup between these two 
Yeah, 100%. I'm with you on that. And I know that, uh, you know, I think this is a really important game. It's It was the s- second one that they're going head-to-head in the, in the Challenge Cup. And uh, we're looking at both sides of the pitch here in terms of their attack. But when you're looking at that scoreline, how much of a defensive game this was for, oh, for yeah. both sides of the pitch, right? We're, we're seeing for uh, the Thorns how their midfielders are sort of starting to get a little bit more rotation into the mix as they kind of come back to health with someone like Araki Rodriguez, Olivia Moultrie kind of getting those those minutes in there, subbing on for her. And then with Ole Rain side of things, seeing some rotation there as well, right? So we're seeing in their goalkeeper position with Joyce sort of coming out here and really introducing herself to the league and coming up with these huge saves. And Jimena Lopez did a great job out on the flank for OO Reign in this one. So looking at this come down to such this narrow scoreline and sort of seeing both of these teams have to kind of rely a little bit, maybe also on some defensive coverage, whether it was dropping back or getting more involved in the attack, it was really, really good to see. So uh, just like the California teams, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, part two, three, four, five, you know, of, of the Pacific Northwest into the regular season we got one more though when it comes to winners and losers in this one lisa we are going to take a little bit of a deep dive on kansas city current and racing louisville fc now we didn't have this pegged as a a game to watch in terms of biggest match of the weekend but we added it to our winners and losers segment here because we needed to talk about racing louisville keeping things interesting in the central region just when you think that kansas city was going to maybe try to solidify their hold on the central region racing louisville said "Uh uh-uh Try again. They walk away with a 3-0 win in this one. Goals from Millet, Bonner, and own goal from Haley Mason. Own goal made their return this oh, week. Yeah. Not enough chatter about that. <laughs> but uh, this was uh, this was a delight. I was like, no, but nobody had this peg. And if you say that you did, I'm going to be like, okay, show me. Show me where. Sure. I, know, I, know, I know we didn't. Show me the notebook. <laughs> yeah, show me Lisa's notes, honestly. Lisa, when, when this was was going live what was some of the takeaways that you were taking uh, from from this match particular on the louisville side of things for racing louisville in this match um they did a nice job of playing through the thirds of the field and not just sending it long to jess mcdonald over top not just relying on individual play from kaiser and, and malay and amina ekich it was a a group effort that came in pieces. It wasn't a consistent group effort. That's what I'm going to say from racing global. We saw more consistency than we had from racing throughout any other match in the challenge cup. But this match, we talked about it with Portland. If Sophia Smith got that early goal, things could have been very different for Portland versus OL rain. If this own goal didn't happen early in this game for Kansas city, uh, rather against Kansas city in favor of racing Louisville, came in the ninth minute, things would have been different for Kansas City. It would have been a more positive game for Kansas City, of course, especially uh, I I felt bad for Haley Mace after this goal happened. She's a player that is coming off a few really good games for Kansas City, and its defensive positioning is off. She gets a toe in there, and it it finds the back of the net. A.D. French was caught up a few times in this game, but you have to give a lot of credit to Jess McDonald because she created those – threatening opportunities and sending crosses like that into the box that did a really nice job. So first goal, 
yes, the pressure came from racing Louisville and Jess McDonald sent the cross in to have enforced the own goal. Um, questionable, maybe second yeah. goal coming in the second half from Lauren Malay in, in the 60th minute. This one also a little bit questionable. The offside rule changed in, in the NWSL. So the ball is played back and Alex Luera, defender for Kansas City, is trying to clear this ball out. It hits off her foot and goes to Lauren Malay, who is offside, technically, behind the line of defense standing right in front of A.D. French. But because Luera touched the ball and Malay finishes it, it's technically allowed. But it was such an odd sequence of events that happened. So two really mistakes on Kansas City's part that Louisville was able to capitalize on. And honestly, like that's kind of how the game works. If in those moments when you're able to do that and then keep Kansas City from getting on the board themselves, which Kristen Hamilton, it is not easy to consistently stop her. Um, that was just uh, interesting that those are how Louisville's first two goals came. And then the third one with Gemma Bonner on a corner kick, that was a good goal, a good header by her, great positioning. Um, but the first two mistakes by Kansas City that Racing Louisville was able to capitalize on. Yeah, I think that's really what it is here. It was about opportunity and racing making the most of that opportunity when they got it. And I love that you brought up Jess McDonald because when we're looking at the racing side of things, that's absolutely the player that I'm looking at still coming out of this game. Yes, own goal made their return uh, to the NWSL this weekend. But when we're looking back at some of these goals, you really have to look at the attack and just look at that and say that one, that was a like a forced own goal. And when you have a moment what? like that from that kind of player who gets in line and throws this into the box at that ridiculous kind of angle makes you it forces you to second guess the fact that it forced so many of us watching to second guess whether or not it was an own goal or was that clinical enough from McDonald that it was just something that belonged to her. It was an amazing way to sort of make sure that racing got on the board, kind of like one of these, I don't want to say it was a, like a momentum killer, but it absolutely, it, changed. Have, it was it's, a little bit of a shocker. Yeah. It gave, it gave Kansas city something to sit on and think about. Especially sure. because it seemed, it came so early in, in ninth minute of this game where Kansas City did have momentum. They were gaining opportunities. I think Lobanta and Pickett were finding themselves on the ball in tight spaces. Um, Kristen Hamilton getting in behind a number of opportunities for her. This it, it deflated Kansas City to have that own goal so early in the game. And then again, right at the start of second half in the an hour into this match, the second one for Louisville changed things. Have to have to wonder if uh, every team is going to have their day eventually in Challenge Cup, but it just sort of feels yeah. like maybe for Kansas City, this was theirs. And on the other side of thing for racing, it was theirs in terms of perhaps of a little bit of, of a statement. And it was quite frankly delightful to see. So congrats on being the winners this week, racing. And sorry to KC for for being the losers in this one. We have more games to get through though, Lisa, and we're going to do that right now, right after this. Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. 
Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, we've got more magic to get through. Oh, Chicago Red Stars versus Houston Dash. Chicago Red Stars winning this one 2-0. Mal Pugh with a brace in this one. Lisa, tell me about Houston. What's 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 going on from this team and this performance and, and in this competition right now, quite frankly? Sandra, that is just the question of the week, isn't it? What is going on with Houston? Um, they can't really catch a break right now. I think that we've seen a lot of luck coming from the Houston side and a lot of inconsistency from Houston side. I mean, there's something about Rachel Daly when she gets her head down and wants to win a game, she can do that. Um, but uh, when we look at Houston, they're coming off of a three nil loss to Kansas city and the midweek action. And then this two nil loss against Chicago, I'm not surprised, honestly, in what we saw. I think that's why so many of us thought Kansas City was going to be a runaway because Houston has those moments where they can be dangerous in their attack and they can look to score goals and get on the board and be a threat in behind with Sanchez and Daly. But defensively, they don't have enough structure right now. Um, Katie Naughton is, is trying her best along that back line. I think Julia Ashley plays pretty well with, with not in, in that back line and in that positioning, uh, pushing Sophie Schmidt higher up the field does help James Clarkson, but overall it's, they're not connected between the lines. So their back line has their own connectivity, but they can't find the midfield unit and the midfield unit can't combine with Rachel Daly and Sanchez up top. So many times when Houston was able to find success, it's when Rachel Daly drops all the way back in the defensive end for Houston, picks up the ball, and then it's her vision and, and her great long ball services to connect with her frontline forwards or have players run onto it, whether it's Prince or Sanchez. Um, for Chicago, though, I want to hear your thoughts on this one. I mean, another brace from Pew, four goals yeah. in just as many games from her. Um, Stevens, we saw starting up top and we had the, the yeah. three Musketeers back in the midfield with <laughs> Bernardo, Colaprico and Gatral. This, that's, yeah. those are the namestays for Chicago. Oh, yeah. 
So what did you think? What did you see from Chicago's side? Was this a well-deserved win? What did you want to see more of from the Red Listen, Stars? I'm, uh, I'm not going to act like this was the most thrilling match mm-hmm. of the weekend because it was not by far. It was a little bit of a slog fest at four, kind of a, a grinder to start things off. And then it's maybe looking at it a little bit, you're wondering if, if, if this is due to the weather, right? This is the mm-hmm. third home game for Chicago Red Stars at SeatGeek uh, in the month of March. And each one of had a moment where the weather was uh, an X factor, I think, a it little looks bit. Miserable. It, it looks miserable. Tough. I'm going to be honest. Was, there was a super windy day, then there was a really rainy day, and then you just had the other night, which was just flat out cold. I mean, you <laughs> saw at the opening of kickoff, Rachel Daly was not happy with it, and then nobody should have, quite frankly. It's, it's, it's tough. You got your two teams that you got to ask to to play in that. And it, that's what happens sometimes when you come into into Chicago in March. But what I really liked from the jump was uh, Chicago's commitment to uh, their shape that they've been presenting during this Challenge mm-hmm. Cup. We've been seeing sort of this fluctuating three-back a little bit from them, right? We get switched at, at moments from from a three-back to a five-back to uh, to sort of maybe a three-four-three. Three. It's, it's, uh, it's cool to sort of see all this different movement from this team and to sort of see all of their adjustments tactically, where maybe this is a Chicago rest side in the past that has kind of played a little bit of predictable soccer and I think this has kind of worked to their benefit a little bit as Challenge Cup has sort of opened up in these sort of three to four games that we have witnessed from this Red Star side to sort of see them pressing against this Houston Dash side to kind of, uh, you know, in a high line pressing the issue and forcing mm-hmm. them to uh, to, to defend. Uh, I really loved uh, seeing them commit to this, even losing a player like Tierna Davidson, right, who Chris Petroselli has mentioned, hey, we want to keep this three back because of somebody like Tierna Davidson. And when you lose a player of that type of caliber to uh, injury, still you know, kind of coming back together and saying, listen, this is who we're going to be moving forward. And I thought it was a, another good display from that defensive back uh, three back. And we saw Zoe Moore specifically kind of match up yes. with uh, Nichelle Prince. And I think if we had to highlight uh, an individual 1v1 kind of matchup of the weekend, maybe that was mm-hmm. the one to take a look at. Uh, some some struggles there. It was tough for that very talented Houston Dash top line to get through and find a breakthrough on goal this evening. And then on the other side of things, you had Mallory Pugh, who has just been absolutely clinical for this Red Stars side. I mean, you're talking, she's averaging nearly a goal per game at this point. She's got four goals through four games with the Red Stars in Challenge Cup. So a big win for the Red Stars in terms of what it looks like in the central region. Um, But I'm liking what we're seeing here. And hopefully we get to see uh, the continuation of it uh, post international break and into the regular season as well. I agree. I know we have other games to talk about, but you mentioned the back three, the center backs for Chicago, and that's what it is in a three back with five in the midfield. It's three center backs with more Smolazzo. And we saw Amanda Kowalski slotting in there, a new signing for Chicago. I think that losing Davidson, maybe I thought it was going to be detrimental to Chicago's defensive shape, to their organization, um, to how they were even going to be able to defend 1v1 players. But Tatum Malazzo has stepped up. I think that she's proven that she's a player that Chris Petroselli can rely on in the absence of Davidson now. And Malazzo is realizing that now with Davidson gone and and Gordon gone, she was able to watch these players last year in that role, being leaders, being consistent 
players and getting consistent minutes on the pitch. And now it's Malazzo's time to yeah. shine. I was really impressed with the back three of Morris Malazzo and Kowalski and handling Rachel Daly, Michelle Prince, Maria Sanchez, Brie Sally even getting in the mix. So I, I do want to highlight that. And, and I like the 1v1 battle between uh, Morris and Prince. It's, that was a good one to highlight. Look, you know, we're always going to find a way to sneak in a possibility to talk about defense and defenders and goalkeepers always. some kind of way on attacking third here, right? We all, because we love, we love ourselves some, some defense, uh, but let's keep it moving a little bit. We have the East region that we're going to close out with here. Gotham FC versus North Carolina Courage. This one ends in a draw, 1-1 with goals off of set pieces. One for the Vina from the Courage and the other one from Ifioma Anumanu on Gotham FC, the equalizer, in fact, because this was a team, Gotham FC, I'll just I'll just take the floor for this one for now, Lisa. This was a team that was chasing this game for most of the match. You had North Carolina Courage, who are probably going to look back at the film on this one and be a little frustrated that they didn't walk away with all three points in this match. There is something that has been happening with this Gotham FC side during the Challenge Cup, right? We're sort of looking at these players. We're looking at the talent on the roster. And look, I'll put myself on blast. I was like, this is the team that's going to win the East and they're right. making me look bad in front of my friends. What's going on, man? So I just am kind of like I'm looking at these performances a little bit. And I'm like, okay, this is the week where it's going to come together and it's going to come together. But we've now got two consecutive weeks here, two consecutive matches where Gotham are scoring late game Right. And it's worked to their benefit in terms of being able to come away with uh, results out of these games. But you're just wondering this sort of kind of uh, this so slow grind a little bit to sort of, uh, you know, have the offense kind of come together and gel a little bit more in the attack. Now, a lot of that, I think, has to do uh, when we're looking at the personnel that was available in this match. Right. right? You know, right. you're missing a big parts of that midfield, big chunks. And in, in McCall Zerboni, who was out with the yellow card accumulation, Ellie Long out with excuse absence as well. So that's tough in terms of trying to, uh, you know, ask someone like a Domi Richardson to, hey, go up yeah. against Dabinia and Denise O'Sullivan and just in see what show. happens. And it was, a, it was a tough day at the office for Richardson, right? And we saw the the goal breakthrough come off of a, a set piece because there was a close foul just outside of the box, which I refer to as like the Dabinia sweet spot. And you just are like, oh, okay, yeah. if you're going to give the, this free kick to somebody this close to the goal, who's going to be taking it? And you know it's going to be the Brazilian international. And She's going to maybe make you regret <laughs> making that foul, even just outside of the box. So they go up and then lots of chances, lots of chances. We saw some of this NC Courage attack, you know, kind of coming in and pressing and, 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 and pressuring. But Gotham doing a very, very good job on the defensive side of things in terms of dropping mm -hmm. back and ensuring that they had the organization to kind of sustain some things. Uh, Michelle Beto's coming up really, really big, quite frankly, down right. the stretch with the with some of these moments. And then you have an 80, 85th, 86th set piece uh, equalizer from Anumanu. So a little bit of back and forth in this one. But when you're looking at the numbers on thing, when you were watching it in real time and just doing the eye test before the numbers and stats test, you're just looking at the courage and saying, gosh, this one got away from you. Right, exactly. I mean, Gotham is not living up to the standard that I thought they were going to to have this year. And we've talked about this, I think, every week when we watch them play. And North Carolina is surprisingly putting the pieces together, despite having four forwards listed on their roster. Some of them just getting their first minutes, yeah. actually, this weekend for uh, Sean Nahas. It's so impressive that 
they are able to play uh, Daniels up top and Pinto higher up the field. Even it's just really impressive to see what they're able to do with these defensive minded players and just pushing them higher up the field. Um, uh, you had North Carolina winning this one. I had a draw in this match. Uh, just Cheers. interesting to note. And, and looking back to Houston, Chicago, we both had Chicago beating out over Houston, but um, I'm waiting for Gotham to, be able to connect a little bit more They're They they're missing that piece yeah. in the field that is able to do that. I think they thought Christine Lewis was going to come in and do that, but she needs people around her yeah. to be able to support and, and find those passes. And then with person on a mono up top, there's got to be a connection between them instead of running in their individual lanes. Can they have crossover? Can they use each other as decoys and, and weaving in and out of each other? Um, something that we haven't seen yet which we are starting to see from Washington spirit. And I know we're going to talk about them, but that's when you compare the front line for the spirit and the front line for Gotham, um, they're, they're worlds different right now. They are worlds different when Gotham front line could be more lethal than Washington's front line. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're focusing on the East region here and, and, and this uh, result uh, kind of, kept North Carolina courage on top, right? There's about a two point mm -hmm. swing right now, which is keeping things interesting in the East uh, during this next international window. Let's close it out with the final game, the final game coming out of the East as well. Washington spirit versus Orlando pride. Lisa, you know, I'm going to go to you on this one because we heard you on the call. So let me know what you felt about this ridiculous four, one win from Washington spirit. Where has this been Washington spirit? <laughs> <laughs> I, on the call, I have to be very neutral and I have to not pick sides by any means. Where has this been, Washington Spirit? It's We've been waiting. The, the opening game in this Challenge Cup against Orlando was yeah. so deflating to watch this Washington Spirit team that we know can be so dynamic in their front line. They have a really good relationship together and such great individual pieces and we didn't see it. All of the pieces came together. I think uh, sleep, eat, repeat, great point with Ashley Sanchez being so good with the ball at her feet. The amount of time that Sanchez had the ball throughout the 90 minutes of this game was fantastic. As soon as she lost it, she was working to get it back. She picked it up defensively, was able to connect, then making streaking runs into the attacking end, always looking to get it back. Uh, in the second half, she was trying to take a lot of shots, trying to be selfish at the top of the box. And then we saw her almost understanding that opponents are going to crash in around her. And that's exactly what's going to happen. And if Sanchez can realize that and become a smarter soccer player as soon as she gets the ball, that'll help her be able to dish it out and then receive the ball right back again. It was really good to see Hatch score again, third game in a row for Ashley Hatch to get on the board, Rodman to assist, and then a goal of her own at the end of this game. It was a group effort, I'm going to say, from Washington Spirit. Devin Kerr in the first half, she earned a shutout, and Kingsbury uh, let one in, which was surprising to have from Kingsbury. Um, we've talked a lot about Orlando and all of the pieces that they are missing. Despite all of that, I think that Gunny Yon's daughter is a player that can make some waves and some ripples for this side. I think playing her alongside Tim Rack could be good. We didn't see a lot of that connection and relationship between those two today, but then including Jenkins into that movement as well. Jenkins got the assist on Yon's daughter's goal today, but, um, 
this is the team. This is the Washington spirit team that Chris Ward has been waiting for that personally, Lisa Roman has been waiting for, waiting to see from the side. I think a lot of folks for this kind of, I think a lot of folks maybe thought that that opening challenge cup match against the Orlando pride was going to mirror what we mm-hmm. saw uh, in this second match for uh, one, right. Kind of a little bit of a inflated scoreline in favor of the 2021 NWSL champions. Uh, but I think maybe for, you know, looking at the Orlando pride side of things is, is, you know, you chatted a little bit about the spirit unsure how you come out of that. You know, how do you build yourself out of that type of game, especially with these goals that occurred from the spirit? These were not just, oh, hey, we got on the scoreboard kind of goals. These were these were just very authoritative type of goals. These were like, hey, we know who we're playing against. Uh, we are the reigning champions. You are a team in the midst of a rebuild. And here are, here come the goals. It was a little right. the, the the tempo and the atti- the attitudes of, of 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 this match. The body language that we were seeing in this match on both sides of the pitch were very very different uh, from that first match that right. they played against each other. I'm with you on Gunny John's daughter. I think when you're looking at this Orlando Pride team as they get ready to go into the the, the second half of the Challenge Cup and then the regular season. You're looking at this team and and you know they've got a new coach, they've got a new coaching staff, they've got a ton of new faces, and there's about three to four players that you're looking at and saying, these are absolutes. You cannot have something happen to these players. And something happened to some of these players. They're going to be without Marta for the rest of the season. They were without Sidney LaRue in this match, and it showed. It quite mm-hmm. frankly showed. Uh, right. So when we're looking at the body language and stuff like that, it was a tough day at the office for this Orlando Pride team. And I think when you see Gunny, uh, Gunny's young daughter, that is probably the number three player for me in terms of a player who's essential, who's become essential to this Orlando Pride side, especially in the midfield. And when we're looking at that goal and when you're running it back and you're seeing a Darian Jenkins dribbling the ball and mm-hmm. getting getting closer and closer to end line, and you just at some point, you're just when you're in that position, you're like, well, I'm just going to send it in there and see right. what happens. And thankfully, you have a, a John's daughter who was just happened to be making a run and was able to 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 get this team on the scoreboard. And you, again, the body language, grabbing the ball, getting back to the center point, trying to to make a, a game of things here. So, you know, this is a, a young squad that is um, going to need those type of players to, to lean on them. So I'm a little curious if this is this is a game that maybe they're going to look at and not feel great about and maybe want to take some time off and then maybe come back into the Challenge Cup and maybe have a statement game of their own. But I don't know. We'll see. I, I agree. Right now. I think not having uh, Aaron McLeod in goal um, also hurt and no knock against Morehouse, but Aaron McLeod is a little bit better with the ball at her feet and she's a little bit more calm under the type of pressure that runners into the box like Rodman, Sanchez and Hatch apply pressure on a goalkeeper. McLeod can handle that a little bit better. So her being on the injury report list, not helpful at all. And you also mentioned no Sydney. LaRue. She was listed as questionable and didn't even make it into the 18. So definitely recovery coming from Sydney LaRue, but without LaRue, Orlando can't bomb the ball over the top and have her run and put pressure on. There's not another player that can do that for Orlando. So they lose 90% of their attacking. 
So today it was a lot of problem solving for Orlando. How are they going to get the ball down the field and into their attacking end? And that's where Jan's daughter put on the hat, the conductor hat that said, I'm going to be the one that's running all over the pitch, trying to do everything for this. But it's absolutely Amanda Cromwell is going to have a lot of problems to solve if LaRue continues with injuries, which she will. She's a veteran player in this league. Um, and Aaron McLeod as well, a veteran player that might be dealing with some nips and nabs throughout this season that they're going to have to handle and they're going to have to deal with. We'll see. We'll see how they do uh, coming back from the international break, how they perform after having some time off. We're going to see all the teams and how they do after the international window and how they approach the second half of the Challenge Cup. And of course, we'll be here to cover that mm-hmm. and keep everybody updated and, and do the previews and do the recaps and, and check in with everybody on the remainder of Challenge Cup. We want to thank everybody for joining us tonight. Thank you all so much for listening to Attacking Third. You can follow us on Twitter and now on TikTok and Instagram at Attacking Third for more. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. We're also available as video. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Visit youtube.com slash Attacking Third. We'll be back on Wednesday with more news and notes and power rankings for Sandra Herrera and Lisa Roman. This was Attacking Third. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.